on, huh? Is it good? All right. Good morning. Well, as we look at a new year and we look at what God has done, He has done great things. And uh, I think it's really important that we reflect on all that God has done in the past and look at what He's going to do. And look at God and what makes a healthy, fruitful church. Alive and growing in Christ. It's one thing to start a church. It's a completely other thing to be a part of something that God is doing. And God is moving by His Spirit. And that God is building through His people. And it's so important that we be centered on the rock, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm going to start with a scripture verse in 1 Corinthians. But before I, uh, I open the word, I want to pray over the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, uh, as we open your word, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, uh, open your word up to our hearts, Lord, that we would see everything that you have prepared for us today, Lord, that your word would be alive and, and living, Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers only, Lord, but you would uh, teach us to be doers, Lord, that we would live it in our life, Lord God. Lord, uh, that we wouldn't be uh, pew warmers, Lord, but we would be uh, active members of the body of Christ. Lord, uh, I know you have prepared our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In 1 Corinthians 3, Pete, Paul wrote, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds... On this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, each one work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. For the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. When I, repeat, when I appear before Jesus, I don't want to appear before him with ashes as one escaping a fire. I want to appear before the Lord and receive my award. I want to be there and be welcomed in. But each one of us has one foundation, which is Christ Jesus, to lay that foundation. This was the heart of Paul, addressing concerns and problems with the churches in the Isle of Crete. 
There were churches in every city that Paul had started. And he sent Titus with instructions. If you would turn to me to uh, the book of Titus. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul writes, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of truth which accords with godliness. This was a, a common introduction for Paul. He would let you know who was writing the letter and who he was. And he says, I'm a bondservant of Christ and of God. And what that really meant was that he was a slave to God. And a bondservant would be a slave by choice, that he had freely given his life to Christ. Paul wanted the reader to know he was a doulos, called and by choice, an apostle of Jesus Christ, designed one who is sent with authority, and he says, an, an acknowledgement of truth. It is one thing to believe by faith, but a lot of people believe by faith. You know, it's amazing. I, I go and talk to friends, and they say, well, I believe this, and I believe that we're all good, and, and that we're all going to go to heaven, and we're all going to be okay. And I'll say, well, what do you base that on? And they'll, they'll give you that, that stare like, what? What do you mean? Well, what do you base that knowledge on? What do you base your belief on? Because we'll plan retirement and we'll be diligent to plan and put away money and we'll plan our health and dental and all this stuff so when, when we get old, we'll be covered but we'll go by a feeling or a thought or just, I just feel, I just feel this. I'm going to be okay. See, we can place our faith and believe in a lie. We can believe in a false prophet. We can even be, believe in a, a burning in our bosom. But Paul says he desired all men to acknowledgement of truth, which leads to godliness and salvation. Paul wrote in Romans 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer in God and to Israel is that, they be, is that Israel be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Paul was simply saying, Christ is the truth and the only way that leads to eternal life. And he goes on to say, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. You know, I was thinking about that. You know, I have great hopes for a new year. You know, I look in hope of what God's going to do. 
I also have hope that that treadmill that I bought is going to make me slim and trim and... and, uh, (laughs) I do. I also have... uh, I have hope for snowy ski days. It's not happening. With sunny days and no wind. Spare me the wind. (laughs) It's funny... We have hope, but Paul says we have eternal hope in the words of God and God who cannot lie has promised us eternal life with him. You know, the disciples, Jesus had told the disciples three times, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be turned over to the Roman government. I'm going to be scourged, spit on, beaten, and crucified. But then he goes on to say, but in three days I will be raised again. See, they didn't get that part. They got the part where he was going to be beaten and, he's going to, and he's, he was going to die. And all they could think of is that he's leaving us. He's not going to be with us. And their hearts were really troubled. And Jesus, knowing their hearts said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I leave, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I may be, you may be also. And he goes on to say, That where I am, you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Kind of narrows the road down, don't it? To one way. You know, I I, kind of chuckle and... and, uh, A lot of people come down on Thomas, but I'm so grateful that he asked that question because none of the other disciples were going to say anything, but they were all thinking it. Where's he going? That's all they could think. Where's he going and why can't I go with him? And he said, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. See, God promised us eternal life. See, I get promises all the time. And I give promises. But God, the word is sure. And I know I doubt. Because if I, if I really, really, in the bottom of my heart, believe this, it would change the way I live. There would be an urgency in my life and in my heart, and I would run a race just like Paul ran. I wouldn't have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. He goes on to say, 
but has in due time manifest his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Paul was commanded by God to preach the word. A lot of times we don't know and we don't realize, but we're commanded to do likewise by God. The word tells us. The word tells us, preach the word. Be ready. You can almost sense that Paul's taken a a big deep breath because he was really anointed preacher. He was going to really lay it out for Titus. Goes on to say, holding to Titus, a true son in our faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus our Savior. We know very little about Titus other than he traveled extensively with Paul. He was sort of Paul's right hand man, he was an uncircumcised Greek. And Paul affirms, and you've got to understand, for Paul, a Jew, to say, you're my son in the faith, was a great thing for him to do. Because to the Jew, the Greeks were unclean. And he says, Titus, you're my, my son in the faith. We're related. You know, I have relatives I love. I have relatives I call occasionally. I send Christmas cards. I send birthday letters. But as time goes by, I pray for them, but I have less and less in common with them. And our conversations become harder and shorter. Not because I don't want to talk to them, but we have less and less in common. And they don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. And I... And I don't want to become preachy to them, but I can't help express the contents of the contents of my heart. And Jesus is my life. And the conversations get shorter and shorter because I want to tell them what God is doing in my life. And they cut me off. So I gotta pray for them. But the truth is, gang, you're my brothers and sisters. This is where I choose to hang out. This is, cho- this is where I choose to be. Amen. You're the ones I want to go to lunch with and hang out with because we have that common bond. And this is what Paul was saying. Jesus said, when, when his mother and brothers were outside the door and they were saying, your, your mother and your brothers, they, 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 they call for you. And Jesus looked at him and says, who are my mother and my brothers? It is those that do the will of my father. Do you see? They were at the foot of Jesus. They left everything to follow him. And Jesus looked at him and said, You're my brothers and sisters. 
He goes on to say, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. You know, uh, I really enjoy football. And it's football season. But every team, whether it's baseball, basketball, or football, or soccer, or whatever it is, a captain or a coach has a point man, a pitch hitter, a clutch player, a go-getter. You know, that person that he could put in the, in, the, in the game and he knows whatever it takes, he will get the job done. He will sacrifice himself for the team. And Paul was saying, Titus, you're my man. I can send you because you hung around me and I've seen the fruits of your life. I've seen you display these characters in you as a leader. I want you to go now and teach these same characters to those in Crete. Titus was that go-to man. And he says to appoint Elders in every city as I commanded you. A church, a, a fruitful church, stands and falls on its leadership. And whether that leadership is abiding in Christ. And he says, Appoint elders in every city. I am proud to call the elders of this church my friends. I am proud to, to say I know without a doubt they are called by God. And they are appointed by God. They're not self-seeking, self-willed. And they take everything in this church to prayer. And I have to tell you, to see God move in not just the elders of this church, but in the leadership of this church, moving through his people, is a great thing to witness. To see the people in that kitchen anointed and moved by God. To see people in the youth department and the children ministry moved and called by God. To see Howard back there and celebrate recovery, called by God. And it's just an awesome thing to see God moving by His Spirit. And if God is behind it, moving by His Spirit, it will stand and no one can stop it. I love when I see people in the body step out in faith and take on a ministry. People have asked me, how do, you know if, how, how do I know if God is calling me? And I simply say, step out. Step out and do it. You'll know real soon of whether you're called or not. Because if God's behind it, 
You can't stop it. God will empower you. God will equip you. God will move by a spirit and make it grow. But listen, gang, if God's not behind it, no man can hold it up. And it's okay to let things die. What do you do? Just let it die. Get up, knock the dirt off yourself, and try again. Try something else. But serve in the body. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You know, it's funny. I've never gone out to my plum tree and stood over a branch and and thought, wow, what an awesome branch. (laughs) Look at the... Look at the fruit on that one. Woo! But I have stood back and looked at the tree and thought, you know, that's a healthy tree. But Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you will naturally, by my spirit, bear fruit. It's not like, oh, come on, fruit. It would just naturally happen from our life. But then Jesus goes on to say, for without me, you can do nothing. And I love this verse, and I do use it a lot, because it reminds me, it's never about me. It's not about me. And apart from him, I can do nothing. I'm just a jar jar clay. I'm just an earthen vessel. But God can use the foolish things of this world. And I'm happy to be a fool for Jesus. He goes on to say, If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. I love that Paul started with the family. Because we can come to church here and we, we, can, we can put on a Christian front. We could say, praise you, brother. And for an hour or so, we can put on a front. But are we taking it home to our kids? Are we living it in our home? Are we teaching our children to love Jesus? Because our children know hypocrites. They can sense whether mom or dad are real. And if you put on a Christian front here and your life is completely something different at home, they know that. And I tell you what, later on in life, they will run from that. They don't want that. Because we all hunger for something real. And, and it's so important that we teach our children to love Jesus. See, it's funny. If you ask your children, what does your dad love? You know, a lot of the kids would say, Football. 
or, or sports cars or guns, hunting. Because we all have hobbies and we all have loves. But I hope our children would say without a doubt, loves Jesus, loves the Lord. And I tell you what, they will grasp that and even if they go astray, they will come back to that love of God. And he goes on to say, and they are blameless stewards of God. For a bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled. No one is righteous in themselves. It is only when we abide in him and his righteousness that we are holy. Are we abiding in him and his righteousness? If you are waiting to be holy enough and righteous enough to serve, you're in for a long wait because it will never happen apart from him. But see, this is the thing is God imputes his righteousness upon me and he slowly but surely starts to give me his spirit and I, and, and I no longer start to do the things that I used to do but I have a heart like his I have a heart for the lost I have a heart for his, his children And the more and more I know him and I abide in him, the smaller I get. And I become just like Peter, James, John, and Paul. I become a servant of all. He goes on to say, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. Have you been taught the faithful word? We, we sort of have here at Calvary Chapel, if you've been here at any time at all. We've been taught. If you've been taught, teach. Because we come, become like the Dead Sea. If all we do is take in, take in, and we don't give it out. He says, those that are taught that they may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. You know, I wrote down here, what do you do with power? And Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. You know, and, and I was just amazed because I, I was just sitting at home and I was thinking, the power of the universe was given into his hand. The Bible tells us that he is creator, God. Yet what did he do with this power? 
This is what Jesus said. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Yet what did he do with that power? He took a towel and scourged it around his loin. And he got down and washed the disciples' feet. And he said, you don't understand what I do now. Because this really upset Peter. He says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. I know who you are. I'm going to wash your feet. And he goes, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And he says, what I do now, you don't understand. But you will later. And you will likewise do to one another. And, and uh, you know, as time goes by, I understand more and more what Jesus was talking about. The word that sticks out to me is... Two times he says blameless. You must be blameless. And what the word means is above approach. And I have a little, uh, little thing here that I just wanted to encourage the men of this church. It's time to take a stand. We have the, the sign up here and we have the men's retreat coming up. Gosh, men, it's time to take a stand. It's time to be men above approach. It's time to be head and spiritual leaders in our household. This church is being held up by women, and that's a good thing. But it's time for us men to step up and be men of faith. Amen. We should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. We should be able to look at our kids and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Blameless in our households. This is what Peter wrote. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter, uh, Paul talked to, to Timothy and says, be ready in season and out of season, preach the word. And we need to be ready when people come to our door, we should be going to their door. But when they come to our door, we should be ready with a smile and say, come, I want to talk to you too. I want to talk to you about my Lord, my Savior. I've been, I've been waiting for you to come. I've been praying about you coming. And we should be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in us, but with meekness and trembling. Not that we could just pound them with, with our knowledge but with prayer that we return their hearts with love, share with them the gospel. To exhort, convict those who contradict, we should be ready. He goes on to say, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped, 
who subvert whole household, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. You know what I... There are idle talkers at every workplace. Those that don't do much work at all, but deceive and cause disharmony. They're in every church, and I wish I could say not here. God help us that we're not idle talkers, that we're not gossips, that we never turn somebody away from the love of Christ with our idle talk. If this convicts anybody, don't do it. God hates it because it hurts people and God is a lover of his saints. He says, these people, their mouths must be stopped who subvert whole households. What these guys were was Jewish believers, but they were mixing Judaism with Christianity. And what Jesus said is, you cannot take new wine and pour into an old wineskin. Because the new wineskin, when it, when it ferments and expands, will break the old wineskin. And what Jesus was saying was, you can't take Judaism and Christianity and take parts here and parts there. You can't take parts of this religion and that religion and say, well, I just come up with my own idea here. Paul said, this is another gospel. And he said, man, these guys must be stopped because they're turning whole households away from the truth of the living, saving grace of God. They're turning people away from the grace of God which saves. Then he goes on to say, One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. I thought to myself, ouch. I'm glad I'm not a Cretan. And, you know, to be honest with you, you can see the urgency why Paul had to send Titus. So far here at Calvary Chapel Beale, we've been blessed. We've only had to deal with a few evil beasts. And Jack, Joni would say at times, oh, that's, that's you, ain't that Fritz? <laughs> he goes, this testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply. The only reason to ever rebuke somebody is that they may be restored to faith. There never should be, yeah, I got to get them. What Paul said, rebuke them sharply that they would be restored back in fellowship. 
And that should always be our heart, that they be restored to faith. And if you don't have that heart, don't feel it's your role to rebuke or set somebody straight. Because everything that we do in the body has to be done in love and meekness and humility. He goes on to say, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. The truth is God's word. And I'm so glad that we go here at Calvary Chapel, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and that we stand on the truth. He said, who take heed to the Jewish fables. Fables was always meant as a contrast to sound doctrine. And I don't know exactly what the fables they were teaching. Paul knew. And and Titus knew. But he goes, Who turn men from the truth. The rules that come from false doctrine are contrast to good works. And Paul taught, We are saved by grace through faith. Period not by works. But then James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Because that's just an outflow of the love we have for him. That we've been saved, that he has given us this grace. So you can't add anything to grace. It's no longer grace. You can't say, well, I do this and I do this and I do this and I, oh, I try to make, to make it to church every Sunday. And, oh gosh, all these rules. And I know it must be pleasing to God. But God wants your heart. He goes on to say, for the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. And I'm sure what, what Paul was talking about was the teaching of certain foods and, and, and ceremonial cleansing. And remember, Jesus taught. He said, It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes forth out of the mouth that defiles a man. You know, to those that are pure, all things are pure. It's funny, somebody will tell me something about somebody else. And, and a lot of times all I see is the good in people. And they'll say, watch him. But to a, for a person whose mind is corrupt and polluted, everything is filthy. How important it is for you and, my, you and I to keep our minds pure and undefiled. You know, when me and Joni first got married, I thought it was totally acceptable 
We weren't saved. I just want to put that out there. To watch adult films. And I thought there was no problem until one day she says, this really bothers me. And uh, I said, well, no problem. I didn't know it bothered you. And I tell you what, I had no idea what an addiction that was. 30 minutes of filth takes a lifetime to get out of your mind by washing of the word and cleansing. Because see, what we put in, we're like a hard drive on a computer. What we put in comes out. Input, output. And if all we do is put in garbage, garbage is going to come out of our life. The movies that we watch, the entertainment that we watch, the, the, the video games, the violent video games. You think there isn't a connection between that and what's going on at our universities and our schools while kids are, are blowing each other up? It's input, output. And we have desensitized are you to the point where they don't know wrong and right? And we don't bring them up in the church and we don't bring them up in God's word and we wonder, what's going on? And we're just so oblivious. What is going on? What has happened? It's so apparent. We've taken prayer out of our schools. We've taken the Ten Commandments out of our hallways. We won't allow Bible studies. And we wonder why our kids are killing one another. I believe it's so important that we watch carefully what we put into our life. And it's okay to have hobbies. But God help us that we become desensitized to filthy talk. Those talks at the, at the workplace that they still offend us. Yes. Paul goes, goes on to say, I don't even know where I'm at anymore here. <laughs> they profess to know God, but in works, they deny Him, being abominable disobedient and disqualified for every good work. Many people profess to know God today. In fact, Joni gave gave me some information yesterday. USA Today had a recent Gallup poll read that 92 people believe in God. These nationwide polls Show how many people consider themselves to be Christians. And the vast majority of Americans profess to know God. And what troubles me the most is if this was true, it would be a whole different American than I see today. America, Hollywood would go out of business as it, as it is today. Because no one would go see their R-rated movies. 
And you wouldn't have to worry about being so isolated and keeping yourself from this and that because it just wouldn't sail if they knew God. Like the people in Paul's day, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him. See, talk is cheap. We can talk the talk, but do we walk the walk? Do we really believe? And I want to sort of end with this. It's one can love religion with a passion, with everything and everything that we are, with life, sports, science, stamp collecting, guitar playing. It can all be a bag full of religion. One can love it for its own sake without relationship to God because religion fascinates. It is entertaining. It has everything that, a sort, that, is sort, that is sought after by a certain type of person. Aesthetics, mystery, the sacred, feeling of one's importance, being a part of something that's going on. But be careful, gang, because this kind of religion doesn't save. Okay? We can be a part of, we can even be a part of the worship team. And forget that we serve a living God. And that we're worshiping Him. That's what changes a man's heart. Why do we do what we do? There are so many other things that we could be doing today. I'm sure there's ski on some mountain. And if all you come do is to be a part of something, you miss the point. Because God wants your heart. And I want to take a moment because every week I see new faces and I'm just blessed to see people coming in. But I want to... I, I, God has sort of laid on my heart, are you saved? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because you don't have and you can't count on tomorrow. And God wants your heart today. I want to give an opportunity this morning to pray a prayer of salvation. And I know God's been speaking to some people's hearts this morning. Don't wait. Please don't wait. If you don't know Jesus personally, don't leave this place until you do. I want us to dim the lights. And I want all the saints to bow your heads. Is there anybody in this place that would like to give their life to Jesus this morning. Raise your hand. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know God's tugging at your heart this morning. 
Praise you, brother. Anybody else? This is a day of salvation. Anybody else? Don't wait. God's speaking to you this morning. Do me a favor. You that lifted your hands, would you come to front and let me pray with you? Please don't be shy. Please come. And if you're out there this morning and you, and you were just, something was holding you back, but you want, you want to so badly to give your heart to Jesus this morning, pray this prayer with us. Come down here. And all you saints, pray with me, okay? Bless you, brother. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you died for my sins. And you rose from the grave. And you rose from the grave. You paid that price. You paid that price. That may I may have life. That I may have life. With you everlasting. With you everlasting. Help me to live for you. Help me to live for you. And to serve you. And to serve you. I can't do this alone. I cannot do this alone. Please give me this power. Please give me this power. Be my Lord and Savior. Be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What an awesome day, huh, huh, saints? Can I have the worship team come up here this morning? Let's Let's close in prayer as they come up here. Heavenly Father, thank you for every opportunity to share your word. Your word is life. You have promised us life everlasting with you. Help us to number our days and to be ready. Come, Lord, come. We know time is short and our opportunities are small. May we as a body, believers, continue in your love. Help us to continue to be loving church. For without love, we're just a loud noise. Thank you for using the foolish things of this world, Lord, to confuse the wise. Lord, thank you for using us. Lord, uh, Lord send us out in our community, in our homes, at our workplace. Lord, use us as your saints. We are yours. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.